You are listening to the audio ministry for More Nations Church, Cardiff. Good morning, everyone. Would you just stand to your feet? I'd like us to pray together before we begin. Heavenly Father, we draw near to you now, Father. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that the word would pierce to the heart. Lord Jesus, I pray for every heart here, every set of ears that are listening, Lord Jesus, that they would be open and responsive to catch what you want to say. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word this morning would bring us together as a people of God. As the old song we used to sing, Father, bind us together, Lord, with cords that cannot be broken. So be it in your gathering here this morning, Father. Lord Jesus, we receive your word, we ready our hearts, and we say thank you for speaking to us this morning. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Please take your seats. Thank you. The Bible says in Matthew 11 that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and that forceful men lay hold of it. The church of Jesus Christ is surging forward. It's moving. You say, that's not what I see. When I look at the the news, when I read the papers, when I see things on the internet, this is not what I see. I see attack. I see this. I see immorality. I see this. Let me tell you why you see those. (laughs) Because the church is surging forward. And never has there been such a cry of the opposition to say, what can we possibly do to stop this? The church of Jesus Christ is not just creeping forward. It's surging forward. In recent days, I've been learning a lot about lava. As you do. You learn about lava when you have a six-year-old son who will come out with uh, a brilliant questions. I, I take him to, to school every morning. We get half an hour in the car, depending on traffic, sometimes two. And he comes out with all of these questions. And uh, recently, he's been learning about volcanoes and uh, Iceland. And so, what's lava, Daddy? What, what is lava? I, I don't know, but I've got a friend called Google who knows everything. So I've been going away and talking to my friend Google and finding out some stuff. And I've been really, really amazed and actually quite excited by lava. I'm not a geologist, but I, I, I thought, God, you made this stuff. So talk to me. See, I'm not a geologist. I'm not, certainly not a scientist, but I do know the author of life. And I know the creator. So here's just a few things I've discovered about lava. Okay, Lava is one of the most unstoppable forces on the earth. When it rolls, it can surge forward in two meter, three meter surges, depending on uh, the speed and uh, closeness to the volcano that has come from. Lava is just molten rock that's come out of a volcano. I think we're pretty good. We know that much. But it's seriously hot. Ignore the films. If you've seen those films of cars driving across uh, volcanoes and their tires just melting a bit, we're talking instant vaporizing when you get near to this thing that burns at 2,000 degrees. If it, as long as it stays white hot, experts say on Google, experts say that as long as it stays white hot, there is nothing that can stop it. It will chew, it will burn, it will churn up everything that's in its path. And until it reaches something like a large body of water, like an ocean, that's it. It will just keep going and going. There's no way to stop it in itself. However... They have worked out ways to try and stop it. And the best way to stop it is this, is to try and cool it down. You've got to take the heat out. You've got to take the heat away. So how do you do that with 2,000 degree Fahrenheit lava? 
Well, there are a few ways to do it. One is this. You begin to divert it. You try and put something in the middle of it which will divert the stream from the way it would go and you separate the lava stream into two or three or four. Now again, I'm not just talking about the movies where they put a car in the way of the lava to get it to deflect off. I'm talking about these barriers which are 10 meters deep, 30 feet high. I'm talking about huge, great things. That's the only thing. And even then, it will only just do it. But here's the interesting thing. is that as the lava stream begins to separate it will begin to cool down. You see, these barriers that people will try and insert, they're simply this. They know if they can cause a division in the lava, then the white-hot lava will cool. Eventually, it will solidify. And that's a dangerous thing as well because it becomes a rock, eventually an igneous rock, I think. Any geologists maybe nod at me about now. And it's a very hard rock that you can build on and that you can use for building. And I was listening to all of this and learning all this and God... You've grabbed me here, and I don't know why. Something's, something's, something's here. And I'd been reading this scripture about the church and the kingdom of God moving forward violently, surging forward. And God just said, that's lava. You know, the church is the most unstoppable thing on the face of this earth. It's absolutely unstoppable. There is not a power on this earth or in the unseen realms that can stop the purpose of God. That can stop the bride of Christ coming to fruition. It's absolutely surging ahead. Providing it stays white hot. Providing it stays on the cusp. Moving forward always. And so the enemy has a tactic. How can I stop this church moving forward? Well, here's two things I'll try, says the enemy. One is, it's going that way, so I'm going to try and divert it so it goes that way. And I'll put things in place. And I'll put these things in that will split the flow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put in divisions amongst that. Because if I can do that, then I know it will cool down. And here's the danger. As just as lava cools down, as the church cools down, it comes to a halt. And it solidifies, comes rock. And people build upon that. And that's the danger of tradition and religion. Is that people will build on what they have as a revelation, but they've stopped. Meanwhile, God is just urging his bride, come on, keep going, keep staying white hot. Don't, don't, don't stop for anything. Don't build and say we've got the answer because he's moving forward all the time. And we as the church of Jesus Christ have to be on the lookout in these days for the things that would cause division amongst the flow of the church. Because I, for one, am not cooling down. I, for one, am not standing still. I'm not going to build on this revelation as good as it is, as, as loud a voice as I need to tell people who haven't heard it. There's still more, church. There's still more, and there's more. We are surging forward. And we must be on the lookout for those things that would try and divert us or divide us. Amen? Amen. You see, today, I'm aware, you'll be aware of this too, there's a sense of ungodliness is trying to dictate life. I, I, I pick up the newspaper, I, I flick on the news, I listen to the radio, and I think, what, what, is, what is going on? Who are these people trying to tell me how I should live my life? Who are these people telling me how I'm supposed to look? Who I'm supposed to associate with? What standard of morality I should or shouldn't have? Who are these people trying to separate me from the people I love? Who are these people trying to tell me that it's okay to live through a computer screen, to be just completely isolated? Who are these people? It's ungodliness. It's a spirit of unrighteousness which is trying to pervade every aspect of life. And it's trying to creep into the church as a way of division. But we will not let it. You see, the world is trying to 
break things up. But God loves unity. And this morning my heart is just to paint with very broad brushstrokes this picture of the church surging forward and providing we don't be divided. We're not divided or diverted. Then we will achieve every promise that God has for us. But we need unity to do that. We need unity. In short, the world doesn't, it doesn't understand unity. It can't grasp it. And I have some sympathy for the world because you can only understand unity if you know God. Because perfect union is found within Him, within the Godhead, relating Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No jealousy, no striving, no battles. Perfect union. And now that is the life with Christ as we are united with Him that we are to bear out with one another. Amen? The church is surging forward. You think, well, I don't feel in myself that I'm surging forward. Well, let me just give you this little hint. It's because of what you've just said. You don't feel in yourself that you're surging forward. I'd ask you the question, if you don't feel like you're moving, if you feel like you're just banging your head against a brick wall, you're not surging forward, you feel like you're being left behind, let me just put into your mind that it's because you've isolated yourself in some way. And God wants you as part of his church to be surging forward. We were never designed, never created, never supposed to function in isolation. We see that right in the garden, the garden of Eden. We see a wonderful union of creator and creation, fellowshipping. That's what he wants, church. That's what he wants. God sees with man. He says, it's not good for him to be alone. And there, right there, is his covenant heart for you and I, church. It is not good for you to be alone. Now, God, take a look around this room. Even as we've sung hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah this morning, what caught me more than ever was one voice declaring our praises to the King of Kings of a hallelujah, hallelujah. My voice alone couldn't make the sound that we created this morning. But together... We touched heaven. Together we touched God's heart. Together God was moved to stand off His throne and inhabit the praises of His people. We did that together. We did that corporately. And that's what God wants. We're not supposed to be alone. We're all in this together. We belong together. We've been chosen to be together. To dwell together. One body. Many members, but with Christ as the head. One church, one bride, surging forward. Just like that picture of the lava. Yet this enemy will try and divide and divert. But the purpose and intention of God is unity. Unity is so precious to God. God loves it. He loves it when he sees it. You know when the table, the bread and the wine is here? You know what he loves most of all about that, I believe? Yes, he, he loves the fact that we're uh, celebrating and saying thank you for the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus. Yes, he loves the fact that we're remembering Jesus Christ until he comes again. But I think it's such a picture of unity because you can't come to that table when there's any division, when there's any fault in your life with any other member of the body of Christ. And as God sees people come and take the bread and take the wine, that delights his heart. Because there he sees, there it is, one loaf, one body, many different parts, but coming together, that delights him. It delights the Father's heart when he sees the church, his children, men and women, sons and daughters of God, praising him together. 
not just as a show up here and we're all just spectating. He loves to hear a chorus of praise. He loves to hear the prayers of the saints rising up to him. He loves unity. And it's something this world barely understands. This world that is too quick to pull apart. It's too quick to pull away. It's too quick to say, I don't like that. I'm out. I like that. You know what? It's not worth the the effort. I'm just going to be on my own. I've got my iPad. I've got my tablet. I've got my smartphone. I've got my computer. I've got my smart TV. You don't even have to leave your house and you can feel you're a part of something. But the reality is you're lonely. God has always desired fellowship and unity. The world doesn't grasp unity. It can't because it's only found in God. We see that all over the place, even on the news, even this week. Political parties that were once strong and united on common grounds and common values, completely divided over issues that they don't even have the right to be debating. They see it as now, see these parties said, no, this is who we are, this is who we are, this is what we stand for. And you think, it's an absolute sham, it's a farce. There's just so many cracks underneath the surface and you can cover it up with whatever color fascia you like, blue, yellow, red, green. You can say what party you're in, I don't trust any of you. It's falling apart. They don't understand if they're going to attack marriage, they just don't understand unity. That tells you right there, marriage is God's perfect picture of a covenant relationship that we can bear out. And let's be very clear, it is one man and it is one woman. It always has been and it always will be. I heard and you saw the debate, you probably heard the the arguments on, on, on TV. I was blessed to hear the name of Jesus in the Houses of Parliament. And I say, God bless every politician that stood his ground and gave his, I don't agree with that, and voted accordingly. At the same time, I felt as I was listening, you just don't understand the Father's heart. Shame on you, Prime Minister Cameron. Shame on you, Mr. Miliband. Shame on you, Mr. Clegg. And at the same time, I'm urged within me because of the love of God that tells us to look at everyone from God's perspective. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon them. Have mercy upon them that they would know that what they are doing isn't just trying to appease people or make a country stronger. It's tearing at the fabric of God's heart for humanity. They don't understand unity, but God loves it. And it doesn't matter what law they pass. It doesn't matter where they may go, how far down the line they take it. Marriage will always be marriage because it's eternal. It's from God. Marriage is under fire. Divorce rate is rife. Unity is under attack. All it is, church, it's not attack against marriage. It's not even an attack against the church. What it is, is an attack against God himself. We need to be wise to that and have an answer for that. God adores godly union. He seeks and requires, he encourages it, he nurtures it, and he works through unity. That's us. That's us. Are we going to agree on absolutely everything? What's your favorite color? Blue. Well, I like red. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about that. It was good that we could come together. Wasn't it great? My heart was stirred. Why? Because I was coming to meet with my brothers and sisters this morning. I know that I'm never alone. I know that even though I, I face my working day, I'm not alone anymore. God's given me a family. God's given me a role. God's given me a body. Think, do I go through hard times? Of course I do. Do you go through hard times? Of course you do. Do you face them alone? Never in the church of God. We need to grasp God's heart for unity and just how precious it is to him. 
It says in John 17, I say, I'll just read this. It says, I do not ask, Jesus said, for these only, but also for those, all those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. His prayer was this, that they may all be one. There's a sense of togetherness that Jesus wanted us to understand, even at this level, even on earth. He wants us to be one. He wants us to understand unity. That's God's heart, a united covenant community. And we've been hearing about that in recent days. And that's God's heart. And he so moved the heart of King David that he wrote Psalm 133. And if you'd turn there, please, I'd like to take a look at that. That's really just the word I'm carrying this morning. It's my only one goal, is you would grasp this morning how precious unity is to God. How, how much he, he just yearns for it to be amongst his people. Psalm 133 says this, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collars of his robes. It's like the Jew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So short, so sweet, so perfect a psalm as to just describe God's heart. How precious. Behold, how good. Amplified version. Beneficial, lovely, wonderful. How fantastic is this when brothers dwell together in unity. It's the place of blessing. It's so precious. It's so wonderful. It's like the anointing oil that first was poured upon Aaron's head that set him apart for holy service to God. It's that precious. It's like the Jew of Hermon, the mountain that had the snow on top of it, which stood out because of the arid land around it. And as that Jew would fall and descend, it would bring life to the desert all around it. It's like the the Jew of Hermon that would come down, that would become a major source of the Jordan River, that would take life and water the earth wherever it went. That's what unity does. It brings life. It's so, so precious. It's why one Bible translator was moved to write this. How rare it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's the James Moffat translation. How rare it is because it's so precious like fine gold, like fine gems, something which you don't see every day. And when you see it, you just think, wow, that's amazing. That's so beautiful. I haven't seen that in a long time. And the world is looking to the church and it needs to see, wow, that rarest of gems, unity amongst people. I've not seen that in a long time. Jesus is having a walk. He's out and about and he's on the Sabbath day. And you can read about this in in Matthew 12, Mark 3. And it says, And a demon-oppressed man, who was both blind and mute, came out. And Jesus healed him. I love that. It's such a matter-of-fact statement. And Jesus healed him, that he might see and that he might speak. And the Pharisees have a problem with this, because of the day that it's done. And they're trying to catch him out again. It doesn't matter that the people are amazed. But the Pharisees say this, Ah, well, he's only casting out demons by the power of demons. That's the worst argument ever. It's up there with the dog ate my homework. But it says this in Luke 11. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them this. Every kingdom 
that's divided itself against itself is laid to waste. And a house divided against itself will fall. A house divided against itself will fall. Makes a mockery of what they're saying. You think, How can I cast out demons by the prince of demons? That doesn't make sense. He, that, that just means his kingdom's imploding. A house that's divided against itself, it just cannot stand. It has as much chance of staying up as the house that's built on sand when the wind and the waves appear. But here's the important thing to consider. If a house that's divided can't stand, then what can a house that is united achieve? Because that's what excites me. If a house that can't hold it together, that is full of division, is just going to fall apart then how much more than a house that is united will stand strong against anything that will come against it? If a house divided is going to self-destruct from the inside, then a house united will see life and growth within. And if a house divided cannot stand, then a house that's united will surely stand and stand and stand and stand. And it won't matter what comes against it, it will stand. Why? Because it's united. House united. And that's who we are. And who are increasingly becoming. See, whenever you see disunity in a house, what you're witnessing in seed form is its own destruction. And we've got to be vigilant, just like the flows in the lava, where things will try and come in to divert and put division in, in order to try and cool it down. They're the things, they are seeds of disunity. And we've got to watch for that. We've got to look out for those things. So when a government says, well, this is what marriage is, And a church suddenly says, I agree, or no, I don't agree. Well, who are you? Where are you coming from? You need to know that's division. That's not of God. So we stand against that. And these are days, church, to raise our voice on more and more issues that are going to present themselves. Why? To be a strong voice. Because the world is longing for a clear answer. Not spin of this and spin of that and one politician doing this and saying, doing another and saying something else. They want to know a clear and coherent voice that says, this is the way, follow in it. If a house that's divided falls apart, it cannot stand. And standing in the Bible is so important. Standing is how we resist the enemy. Standing is how we hold fast to the promises of God. And the Bible is very clear when you read Ephesians 6. So you put on this piece of armor and put on this piece of armor and pick up this weapon. Why? So I can fight? No, it says, so you can stand. It's just so you can stand. See, why is that? Because it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And when a house united, fully clothed in the identity that Jesus has already bought for them, purchased for them, that is actually within them, they just haven't realized it yet, when that house stands together, united as one, nothing will prevail against it. Let me say this again. If you feel like in yourself you're falling, if you feel like in yourself, in your family, in your home, that you're not standing then get on the inside of the house that is standing. Don't remove yourself. It's easy to do. I've done that in the past. I've taken myself out. I thought I could face things head on. And all I've realized is this. I'm lonely. And I need to get back inside a house that's united. Let me give you a practical illustration just what I mean. I wonder, Simon, if I could borrow you and Josh and Tim and Greg. If you just come and stand here. I just wanted you to just stand in front of these chairs, if you wouldn't mind, because one of you will be falling. <laughs> so just standing side by side, here's Josh. 
And he's actually in the church. Here we are. If you guys could just link arms. You stay apart. Not you. Okay? Not you. I know. In fact, could I have one more Jonathan? Can I borrow you, sir? Come and link arms with Simon. You won't be falling. Don't worry. It looks like a house united. They've come. But all I know is this, is when the wind comes, the man falls. Stand up again for me, Josh. But now here's a man just from the outside coming back into a house united. Link your arms with your brother. And now whatever comes against him, it ain't falling. There's nothing. Thank you. Get on the inside of the house that's united. You see... It's really, really simple. You can actually be here on a Sunday morning and feel part of the house. But if you're not united, then you'll fall this afternoon. Or you'll fall tomorrow morning. Something will get at you. And I I just know this. If you want to know victory in your life, you need your brothers and sisters. You need to know what it is, the support of your family. I can face it by myself. Just don't be so proud. We're here to help. Well, I don't think it's something that I can share with everyone. I'm not saying you have to share everything with everybody. But just be on the inside of the house. Play your part. Get involved. Do what you need to do. But link arms. Because God loves unity. And it says in Psalm 133, that is the place where he can bring the blessing. Think, why? Why, why am I outside? Why, why do I see this person being blessed? That going on over there. Let me just say this. Perhaps it's because you're not dwelling in unity. But God wants to see you blessed. Get inside a house that's united. Very quickly, I want to turn you to one last scripture in Judges 7. Can I have a, a quick look at one of my favorite characters in the Bible, a hero of mine called Gideon. If you've ever heard about this, you can read his story from Judges uh, chapter 6 through to the end of chapter 8. Gideon's a wonderful example of you and I. There's not one person in this room that can't relate to Gideon. That when the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Greetings, mighty man of God. That he says, uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Looking around him, no one else is there. And he dismisses himself on every occasion. He gives him every opportunity and every excuse to tell the angel of the Lord, You've got the wrong guy. But God had the right guy. And looking around this morning, God has the right man and the right woman. Yeah. Greetings, mighty man of God. Mighty women of God. And finally, Gideon gets his act together. And he's, the, the problem is the, the Midianite army. And so God says, right, gather your troops, go out and get them. So Gideon goes out with 10,000. think that's a good number. And God says, it is a good number. But let me show you what I can do with 300. And he whittles it down to 300. And God has promised him the defeat of the Midianites. But he tells Gideon, look, in chapter 7, if you're a bit nervous, if you need some encouragement... Then take your servant and go and have a listen. Sneak into the camp and have a listen. So we pick it up here in Judges 7, verse 13. It says, Gideon crept up into the camp just as an enemy soldier was telling his comrade about a dream. The soldier said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. His companion answered him, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. 
Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up! For the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite army. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch inside it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me when I come to the edge of the camp and do as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and they broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars and they held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! Verse 21, Every man stood in his place around the camp. And watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran, trying to escape. And when the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors, the Midianites, in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. And those who were not killed fled to places as far away as these difficult to pronounce words. There's so much to mention. There's so much to mention here. But I just want to draw out three practical things and show you what happens when a people unite and stand. The first one is this, and it's important that we start here in verse 17. When you hear the ram's horn, do this. Just do what I do. I want to give you great encouragement this morning to follow your leaders. To just put your lives in the hands of godly and God-fearing men. Of a wonderful eldership that is so passionate for you, you would not understand the passion that they carry for you as a people of God. And that what they do even in times away and in times seeking the Lord on your behalf, that they give themselves in ways you will never know. So when they say this, let's do this this morning. Let's lift our hands this morning. I want to encourage you, do what they do. Do what they do. If you think, well, I don't know what to do this morning. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I'm here singing, but I've had a bad week. Do what they do. Well, I'm a little bit afraid, I'm a little bit scared, I'm a little bit unsure about the the result. Are we going to have victory? Then do what they do. That's so important. The second thing is this. It follows on from the first. In verse 19, it reads this. It was just after midnight, after the change of the guard, Gideon and the hundred men reached the end, end of the camp. Suddenly they blew their horns, verse 20. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches up and they all shouted... Point two is this, give all that you have and play your part. Follow your leaders and give all that you have and play your part. If we are a body made up of many parts, then I need you and you need me. We need one another. There's no weeks off in the kingdom of God, no weeks off in the body of Christ. Well, you know, I'm really tired this morning. I'm just going to just going to do, you know, I'm just I'm just coming for me this morning. That that is totally in error according to the gospel that we believe. You can't just come for yourself into the church. If you are born into the church, that is you're a new creation that you are part, you are a believer, then you are no longer your own. You belong to a family of believers. But I just want to encourage you, play your part. Raise your voice. Bring your song. Bring your prayer. Read your Bible. 
Go to your life group. Pray for your leaders. Love your sisters. Adore your brothers. Encourage all the saints. Play your part. Well, my part doesn't look like your part. Fantastic! Because what a dull church that would be. But you can do something I can't do. You can reach needs. You know people and you have different relationships that I don't have. I need you. And you need me. Church, play your part. That we would know a wonderful and precious unity flowing amongst us. That we can say, when we look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, see this wonderful picture of the New Testament church that we hold up as so, oh, if only we could attain to that. Thinking, we've got something greater than that. We're further along than that. If we can say, there are no needs amongst us. There were no lonely amongst us. There was no hurt amongst us. There were no tears amongst us. That we can say that if we play our part, that we will meet every need in this body. Amen. The third thing is this. Stand. Stand. I don't know what to do. Stand. Well, you know, I, I don't feel very strong. Stand. Verse 21. Every man stood in his place around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic. Every man stood in his place. Brothers and sisters, I need you to stand your ground. And you need me to stand my ground. Because if anything comes against us, just as the five willing volunteers stood up, if anything, if any one of them moved, then there's a gap. There's a division. There's a diversion. And that white hot lava surging forward church picture I gave you at the beginning will begin to cool down. But if we will stand together and stand as one and stand united, then no one shall fall and we'll keep moving forward together. United we stand, divided we fall. God loves unity. He desires it. It's so precious to him. And Jesus said that a house divided will not stand. But my question is this to you this morning. What can a house that is united achieve? Well, the first thing it will achieve is this. It will stand as a loud and clear voice to the world which is looking for an answer. That's exactly what will happen. I have to tell you this as I was preparing this, this word. I was quite overwhelmed with how blessed I am by this covenant community have so many friends. I'm grateful to so many of you. And I realized as I was just writing my thoughts down and praying to the Lord that I depend on you. So there was an, an urgency even as I, as, I, as I wrote that down. I depend on you. I need you. I really, I cannot do this by myself. I really am not interested in one-man ministry. I, I, all I see is this wonderful bride of Christ making itself beautiful with Christ as the head, this body coming together. I need you to play your part. And I'm desperate to play my part so that you know without doubt that I'll be there for you. I want to say thank you as well. When I hear of a, a prayer meeting on Monday night and people praying for me and my family, that blew me away. So much to pray for. A world of this, but I say thank you so much. You know what that did for me? It just lifted me up. I'm six foot two, but I felt 12 feet tall that day. I got to tell you, it did something for me in my spirit that nothing else could have done. But to know this, my family is praying for me. I believe every promise that God has spoken over this church. 
I believe every promise from the scriptures that he's brought out or that he's borne out to us in the prophetic word that's been uttered in our gatherings, be it from people amongst us or from speakers who have come in, that we've caught the spirit of God and said, that is the word of God. We haven't seen it all come to pass yet. We will because Jesus has said it. And I was aware that much of the prophetic word which we've received as a church about this being a loud voice to this city and to the nation and to the world beyond was conditional upon removing things which were fractious and divisive. And I was praying about that, thinking, God, should I mention that again? And God said, that only to say this, the time for self-analysis is over. That time has gone. It's a time now, church, for us to stand as one. To stand united, each playing our part, each side by side, with no fear of disunity, because it's not there anymore. But with a confidence that says, my brothers are for me, my sisters are for me, and I are for them as well. And just as Joshua in in Joshua 24 says this, you've got to make up your minds what you're going to do. But I know this, as for me and my house, we will praise and serve the Lord. And that's where we've got to come to. I hope I've left you with a sense of unity this morning. I just want to ask you to stand. I want to pray. And I'm going to ask in your standing if you would link arms. If there's a row, if there's a gap, I just want to ask you, would you bridge the rows? If that means some of you got to move, that's okay. We're going to pray now. Heavenly Father. Yes. Heavenly Father. We say thank you, Lord God, that you are united and you are for us. So our prayer right now, Lord God, is that we would be who you've called us to be, a united house that cannot fall, but will always stand. Lord Jesus, unite us in heart. Bind us together, Lord, with those cords that cannot be broken. Lord God, where there is any seed of diversion, any seed of disunity, we crush its head right now in the name of Jesus. We say it is not of you. We say, Lord Jesus, we are together as one people. We belong together. We are better together. And you've called us to be together. Heavenly Father, help us in all times to look to the left and to the right, to look for our brothers and sisters who have fallen, Lord Jesus, who feel weak at the knees, who just like when Moses' arms were weak, Father, we can bring them and hold them aloft and say, you're not falling, not on my watch, because this is house united, and we will stand and we will not fall. Lord Jesus, by your word, reach each and every one of us this morning with a fresh conviction and a joy that we would play our part, that we would find our place, that would realize the gifts and talents and abilities that you've given us, Lord God, and not be wasted, but Lord God, I will play my part, that this church, your church, this body, which is your body with you as the head, this bride spotless, becoming more beautiful day after day after day until you return, is surging forward. And Lord God, there is not a thing on this earth And in the unseen realms, that can stop what you want to do. For Lord Jesus, we are your people. And we agree today as your people, Lord God. That is for us and our house, for ourselves and this house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a good God he is. Hallelujah. What a good God you are. You've been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.